There was a little, for lack of a better way of putting it, ditty that I learned growing up. Because I had this tendency, I know this will just kind of shock some of you, to be a little bit hyperactive. I moved around a little bit. And, and my mom would always have this issue that if we were playing in the yard and the ball went across the street, well, I was just going to chase the ball. And there was this ditty that I learned in daycare that my mom would always have me sing, and I guess it's a good thing because it's stuck in my head. And the song, and I'm not going to sing it because nobody wants to hear that, but the song went something like this. Stop, look, and listen before you cross the street. Use your ears, use your eyes, then use your feet. And as I started to think about that little ditty that I learned so long ago, I started thinking, it's really good to know that to cross the street. But you know what it's also good for? To live by. Stop, look, and listen before you do anything. Use your ears, use your eyes, and then act. Sometimes we just go blind, head on into it, running after the ball, not paying attention to what's going on around us. And this morning, we're going to look at some scripture from the book of James in the first chapter. And as I've said before, context matters when it comes to scripture. Because if you're not careful, you can start picking and choosing verses and go, oh, this is what I want that to say, and it's not even applying to what's actually happening. And so I want to kind of give you some background information as to what James is addressing in his text. It's believed that James is writing to a church that he started, and in this church there's some infighting and anger and hostility amongst the members. They're arguing over how to do ministry and what ministry looks like. The, the main division that he, find, that he finds himself addressing is the haves and the have-nots. Those people that have the ability and the resources to serve and those people that are in need of being served and they're going, what is ministry if you sit there and just talk about it? And I know this will shock some of y'all, but the church has become an us versus them mentality. The arguments are getting ugly. Everybody that disagrees with me is viewed as my enemy, or those people. There's disagreement and division, there's fighting and factions, and the church has stopped looking like the church. Now that's what happened, is happening in James's day and time. So maybe we can't take anything or glean anything from this text. Or maybe we can. I'll leave that up to you, and your heart, and your mind, and God. But I want you to hear James's words of wisdom to the church. In James 1, beginning in verse 19, where he says... My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone 
should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accepted in the world and accept the word implanted within you, the word that can save you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As a preacher, this is a text that makes my ears perk up a little bit. And I think for some of us, it should do the same. Because as Christians, somehow along the way, we're far more used to hearing Those texts that say, go, proclaim, yell, holler. And here James is saying something different. We should be far quicker to listen than to speak. And you've got two reactions when you hear that. You can either go, ah, well, no, I'm good. I'd rather continue to proclaim I'd rather continue to talk. I'd rather continue the way we are. Or you can go, wait a minute. This is different. I can't write it off. Maybe I need to pay attention to what's being said. Because I want to point out the first thing is this. That James doesn't say that we don't speak and that we don't proclaim and that we don't share the good news. But what he says is what? The first thing we do is listen. I've shared this before and I'll share it again because my heart breaks about this. We have lost in this world the ability to listen to one another. I shared it last week that many of us, even when we go into a conversation, we've already scripted the conversation as to how it's going to go. And so if I walk into a conversation believing that I'm going to say something and then my wife is going to respond in a certain manner, I've already prepared my response. And sometimes, I'm getting better, but sometimes I don't even hear her response because I feel like I know what she's going to say and I go ahead and argue anyway. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. This is where James points us. He says, all that anger and hostility that you've got welling up within you, I feel like sometimes where it comes from is this, that we've lost the ability to listen to each other. That I feel like, as I've shared before, even amidst this congregation, we all have the same desire for our congregation, but we've lost the ability to trust and to believe that, hey, we're all on one accord trying to seek God's kingdom. And anger, if we're not careful, can be the root of all that we do. And if we have anger and hatred and villainization in our hearts, it can silence 
that voice that God wants us to hear. Because we're too busy shouting at the other to listen to God or one another. James's text is not the first time that we hear something like this. In Proverbs, actually, 14.29, it says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, patience is not a virtue that I'm really, really good at. My wife would dare say I'm impatient. But what we hear in James's text and in Proverbs is to be patient with one another. Seek to understand where people are coming from. Notice what happens over and over and over when Jesus meets people, even if he disagrees with them. What happens? Very rarely does Jesus come in bullheaded and go, you're wrong and let me tell you why you're wrong and you just need to turn around and repent. Over and over what, James, what Jesus does is this. He asks questions. And when they answer the question, you know what Jesus does again? He asks more questions. And what we start to see in Scripture is that care and compassion is a much more useful tool than beating someone over the head. I'm just telling you what James said, obviously, but James looks at both sides of the coin as he stands in the middle and he says, hey, can we just calm down and listen for a minute? Even if you're right. Can you just listen? What harm is there in listening? What harm is there in giving care and compassion and time to someone else? Can we just calm down and listen? Or as I learned at a very young age, can we stop and look and listen before we act? This is what 99% of the church honestly needs to hear, and this is what 99, we need to hear it 99% of the time. Listen to one another. Care for one another. Enter into relationship with one another. James will go on and proclaim in our scripture today that you can do and say all of the churchy and religious things you want to. But if it is rooted in anger and division and hatred, you will not, you will not live a righteous life. I didn't say that. James said that. Now, I agree with James. And why does he say that? Because as we've said over and over again, God is less worried about the things that we say and do and the heart behind what we say and do is what he's really focused on. We can do all the right things, but if we're doing it out of anger and hatred, then we're doing it for all the wrong reasons. 
And righteousness is literally defined as living in right relationship with God. And if you look through the scriptures over and over again, it proclaims this. Where anger and hate and division abide, love cannot be found. And what do we hear later in scripture? God is love. So if we're acting out of hatred, anger, and division to the other, we are missing the point and God is not present there. Period. I thought that may get an amen, but I guess not. But at least, maybe what we need to hear is this. I love that in verse 21, he says that we need to silence what the world is telling us to do. Where the world is telling us to go. He uses the terms moral filth and evil. And we need to humbly, now mind you, that means that we need to think a little less of our own wants and desires, but humbly accept the word that has been implanted in our hearts. I was in seminary when I learned this wonderful term called the Imagio Dei, which is this. The image of God that is implanted on each and every one of us. We hear about it in Genesis. Let us create them in our own image. This is the word, this is the truth that is implanted in each and every one of us. It's a gift from God. Sometimes we need to silence everything else, and get back to who we are. This is what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. We need to to nurture this word of love and unity that's been implanted with us since the beginning. God's truth. And this is not just some metaphysical or spiritual practice. Now those help, don't mishear me, as we've been going through Lent and talking about Lenten practices. Those help. But James goes on and proclaims in the rest of chapter 1, don't simply listen to the Word, but live it out. Live it out. Be a living embodiment of the Scripture proclaimed. And if we've lost sight of how that's supposed to work, what better place to look than the living embodiment of Scripture proclaimed, Jesus Christ? Seek and follow Jesus. Over and over, that's the call that we hear from Him. Just follow me. Follow the example I have set for you. Follow what I said and did. If I didn't say and I didn't do it, don't try to change it. We nurture this image, this word that's been implanted in our hearts. We we silence the anger when we enter into authentic relationship with people. I shared this this morning at Independence, 
and I may be confessing a little bit from my own heart, but does anybody in here have somebody in their life that they're like, I just wish that I could just cut them off and be done with them, but for some reason my heart keeps bringing them back in and I just can't let them go? Is that just me? No, that's just me. Okay, that's fine. But what I've noticed is this, is as you start to care for people, for people, over your own ideals and wants and desires and all of those things, it's amazing how much you're willing to listen to where they're coming from. My aunt shared with me a memory that she had that I did not recall. That I was probably 10 years old, and I had grown up in the church, and we were having a deep conversation about all kinds of things. And guess what? I know this will shock you, but we disagreed on some things theologically and spiritually. And I looked at her, and she said I said this, I don't recall saying it, but I just looked at her and said, you know, to some extent we're going to have to agree to disagree, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop loving you and walking with you through it. To some extent, we're going to have to agree to disagree. But I'm just going to walk with you through it and love you and listen instead of being angry about the fact that you don't see it my way. This primary expression of faith as we hear proclaimed in James and in the Gospels actually is love and outreach to the least, the lost, and the marginalized. That's where Jesus proclaims it in the Great Commission and in Matthew 25 where when you do this to the least of these you have done it unto me. We hear it proclaimed in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 31 where it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Maybe this is the first step to silencing our anger. It's realizing we've all done some stuff that we need to be forgiven for. So who are we to hold judgment over another? To forgive as God forgave us. To allow God to figure it out, but to seek to enter into relationship and care for God's people. Love them. Love them. Love them and listen. It's what Jesus does. And as we heard earlier, if we want to know how to live out this embodiment of truth that was placed on our hearts, what better example than Jesus? Maybe to cast off this idea of anger, we need to go back to Genesis. And remember that all People are created in the image of God. All people have the Word implanted within them. All people have Jesus Christ within them. We don't hold a monopoly on that.
Some people, it may take longer to realize that they've been created in the image. Some people may never realize they were created in the image. And I'm sad to say this, but sometimes it's because other people aren't willing to walk with them hand in hand. They cast them off as a sinner and they walk away and they go, you figure it out. And they've never experienced the love of Jesus Christ from the church. Now that should cause great shame on each and every one of us. That there are people out there that do not know the love of Jesus Christ because we proclaim them as sinners and do not care to enter into relationship and get to know people. What harm is there in listening? What harm is there in caring? What harm is there in relationship? What are you afraid of? Stop. Look, listen. James goes on and he talks about the fact that this care and compassion for the least, the lost, and the marginalized, he uses the terms the orphans and the widows because those are in the, the people in his society that have no value and that have been pressed to the margins and told that they have no place in the, this world. If you're a widow, your, your value as a woman in, G, in James's time was in who you were married to. So if you become a widow, all of a sudden you have no value. If you're an orphan, you have no inheritance. And James says, no, what we're called as the church to do is remind people of their inheritance, which is that you are a member of the family of God. And nothing I say or anyone else says will change that. I came across a text that's my hope and my prayer for this church, for the Universal Church, for the United Methodist Church. 1 Timothy 2.8 is the best depiction I've found where what happens when we stop living with hate and anger and division in our hearts. He says, therefore, I want the people to pray everywhere and everyone lifting up holy hands without anger and or disputing. What would it look like if we chose to pray and love, care, and compassion for this world? With love and care and compassion for the other. With love and care and compassion for one another even. James makes it very simple. But we all know that sometimes Scripture makes it sound way more simple than it is. But my challenge for us this day is that we stop, we look, we listen, then we act. We let our, cat, our compassion and our love drive us over our anger and our hostilities. Amen? Amen.